Can't believe that you haven't seen it. Love it so much you really gotta stream it. Let me tell you every line right now. I can quote the whole thing since I was 12. Maybe your mom told you no. She said she wouldn't give you any money to go. And that's why movies we missed. Hey, boy, don't you know Jane's got something going on. She's got a sexy movie, we're gonna let the listeners listen on. Oh yeah. Showgirls, the film, Bubba Hoffman. He directed <laughs> and we're making down. Elizabeth Banks, she don't wanna play the game with you no man. Listen to me, all we got is you. Got you in a girl trying to call a clock clan. All we want is you. Everybody that's moving and into it. Oh, we want so much falsetto. Show goes 1995. We're gonna love you. Wow. Do you know originally that song was gonna end with a bird call? It was gonna be, oh, what is And they changed it at the last minute in the studio. I think I saw that on Making the Music. Yeah, I think it did. Making the Music. Making. <laughs> making the video, making the video. Just a geriatric millennial. Just a geriatric millennial. <laughs> betwixt and between. Um, hey, 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 hey! Welcome to uh, another episode of movies we missed. I am your host, Brandon Greenhouse. This is my lovely adjacent co-host, Jane. Mm. No me, Hammer. Leave him alone. <laughs> How you doing today, Jane? I'm good. I'm great. I can't believe you haven't said it to me yet. She's effervescent. What do you think I was going to call mm-hmm. you a war criminal? <laughs> no. I. You still supporting you, Uncle Andy over there and the, across the pond? I can't believe you're doing this to me on t- today, of all days. This is Tuesday, March 8th. Where we're oh, I, oh, I got, I forgot. Jane, you're pretty. Am I done? Have I paid my penance now? Is that what it was? <laughs> I mean, that could be saying. No, it's not my birthday. My birthday, you know when my birthday I is. I know when your birthday is. I didn't know if you knew. I was worried that <laughs> maybe you didn't. I was just trying to, you know, give you whatever support you needed. Wow. Um, you look great and without makeup on, Jane. Isn't you it? talk about supporting women on this podcast so much. Jane, and you are. Happy, happy Women's Day. You did it. Thank you. She it is, is International on. Women's Day, and I've been waiting literally 15 minutes to hear it from you and Dave. You, I picked one of the life. most defining women of our generation, Extina Aguilera. Um, and I also, it's interesting, today is Women's Day, and you've always been <laughs> a person that I've turned to for inspiration and support, and you always have really great things to say, and you support women a lot. Mm-hmm. How are things going mm-hmm. with you and Nikki Glaser, host of F-Boy Island? <laughs> Nikki and Glazer, Nikki Glazer and I are. Oh, mum's the word. Little well, stutter, stutter, huh? I no, I you. I haven't even said it yet. The Get Nikki, Gla- Nick, Nikki, oh, Nicole Glazer and I. Right. I said it right. I was. You said Nickley. Her- you called her Nickel for a second. <laughs> this isn't about Nickelback. <laughs> Did I say Nickley? <laughs> 
You said everything but her Christian name, and I'm going to ask you to put some respect on it. <laughs> Nicole Glazer and I are doing fine. I'm giving okay. her the respect she deserves by saying her whole name. I hope it's Nicole. I really don't know. We're doing fine. I love what she does. I loved. Look at me the, when you say it. Don't I, look away. Why you? I'm I'm talking to Nicole Glaze. Why are you? St- you're staring off into you're staring off into a dark corner of the room. <laughs> I want you to look at me, and I want you to say it to my face. Do you think she's the? Do you think she's a funny comedian? Yes, and I think she's a great host of that show that we watched. Um, do you think that she? Called- do you think that she is? <laughs> do you think she's worthy of the success that she has? Can I ask you a question? Got my answer. You don't even have to answer that question. You just did. I would love to know what you've done for women today. Just today. What have you done for women today? Just I spoke with I. I when you woke up to now, what have you done for women? First of all, as you Uh know, on women on Women's Day, I famously walk around with a sock full of nickels, and I and I hand them out to any. Any lady I see uh, walking down the street, I usually throw a handful of them in their direction. Um, and I say, "Hey, you, happy your day!" And then I'll just chuck a chuck a handful of uh, little nick nick nickels at them. So I've been doing that all day. I a couple of them got buffalo nickels because they just they fell in the sock. Uh, mm. Mm-hmm, yeah, I've been doing that. Mm-hmm. I've been affirming women all day, whether or not they like it. I've been encouraging women throughout the day to smile. Um, oh, we love that. We say I love one of my favorite things, and I miss this about commuting for remote work is men men I don't know coming up to me and saying, "Hey, sweetheart, (laughs) what's so bad out there?" I'd love to see a smile from you. And then what I do is I lift my head up and I smile from ear to ear, and I envision their murder. There we go. That's the opposite I was expecting. I like to point out something distinct about a woman. Um, like like I'll a say body like, part? Yeah, I'll say, like, hey, dumb truck, that look, you look <laughs> real good. Or I'll say, hey, limp queen, smile. <laughs> limp queen? What's limp? Like hair, breasts, the walk? I want to know what's limp. <laughs> hey, limp I was going breasts. For, I, was going for, I was going for hair. Um, oh, okay. But I, but I do. It's quite ableist from like. Uh, I know calling out a woman. You know what though? Like, I, I know it's very ableist, but I wanted to understand what you're saying. Also, I walk with a limp, so you know. Do you? Yeah, because of all my hip surgery, my left leg is like a few centimeters shorter than my right leg. <clears throat> I, I don't know why I should know that about you. I've, well, I think it's re—it's—it's it's only noticeable if I'm like tired, actually. And some people would be like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "I don't even know what's happening." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, sorry. I just sometimes walk with a limp." But normally, I like overcorrect for it. So, anyways, You're probably always overcorrect um, for me because I haven't created a safe space for you. And so, for that, you haven't, and I you've, you've called me. Um, a misogynist and an Fake. ableist on my own podcast on International Women's Day. <laughs> so, anyways, speaking of women being treated horribly by men, should we pop in and talk about um, our movie for today? Let's let's pop in. Let's pop let's in and let's talk about it. And uh, word on the street was that you, one of uh, 
the most celebrated woman in my life, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. which tells you a thing or two about the rest of how the rest of them get treated. Um, <laughs> you uh, have, I heard, a synopsis um, for us <clears throat> on this Verhoeven joint, um, and uh, I'm <laughs> I'm all ears. I'm ready to li- I'm ready to listen for once. Let's change the narrative. How about Thank I you. lean in at the table? Shut up, Sandberg, and uh, and I really hand you know the hot potato over to you. So, wow. You got the floor, sis. This torch is burning, and I am so glad to be holding it. Mm. <laughs> Me and my sisters. Um, <laughs> okay, so full disclosure, I when I first read this synopsis, it was two full pages. And I've cut it down so much because I have Ooh. so much to say about this movie. So I will admit this is a little bit on the longer side, but stay with me. Okay. The If you haven't seen the movie, the information is important. <clears throat> 1995 in Las Vegas was a wild time. I wasn't there, and chances are you weren't either. You at least weren't in this Las Vegas. Nomi Malone's Las Vegas. A world so inexplicable it remains a topic of conversation 27 years later. But here we are, hitchhiking up the road, a pocket knife held to the collective male neck, about to enter the deep underbelly of the Las Vegas showgirls. Nomi ushers us through her journey from arrival to departure, and kids, there's never a dull moment. Nomi is a dancer, and despite not having any formal training, she shows up in Vegas and dares to dream. She stumbles upon her roommate Molly, a kind woman who helps Nomi despite Nomi fucking screaming at her for no reason all the time. Molly, no one is done dirtier in this movie than sweet Molly. They live together in a trailer with one bed, which again, Molly shares with Nomi when she does not have to. Molly is a talented designer and a costume maker and puts in hours making gorgeous pieces for a show at the Stardust called Goddess, a classy topless review headed up by celebrated dancing queen Crystal Connors. Nomi does not work there. She gets a job at a club called The Cheetah, the exact opposite of Goddess. It's trashy and unsafe, where you gotta go full frontal and make sure you give the owner a blowjob so you can get stage time. A chance encounter with Crystal Connors and her boyfriend Zach, the entertainment director at Goddess, gets her an audition, and she books the job. Nomi rises up the ranks, and through a series of unfortunate events, Crystal's understudy is injured, and the spot opens up. Nomi sleeps with Zach, and after the most ridiculous pool sex scene I've ever seen committed to film, Zach assures her the part of Crystal's understudy is all but hers. As to be expected, because trust no man should be a lifestyle, when she comes into work after the audition, she finds out she didn't make the cut. Nomi decides to take matters into her own hands. With the subtlety of a toddler, she pushes Crystal down a metal staircase, claims it was an accident, and secures her spot as Queen Bee of the Goddess Show. Now it's Nomi's nipples that shall be bedazzled every night. A huge party is thrown in her honor, and Molly's favorite singer, Andrew Carver, is attending. Molly gets all dressed up and is so excited to try and seduce him. But before she can do anything of the sort, she's 
absolutely brutalized by the singer and two of his friends upstairs at a party, which results in one of the most egregious and irresponsible depictions of sexual assault I've ever seen committed to film. Nomi is furious, but Zach won't let them tell the police. So Nomi, living out the revenge fantasy we can all agree on, visits Andrew, beats the living shit out of him. She stops by Crystal's hospital room on the way out of town for a quick I'm sorry and a weird homoerotic makeout sesh. And she's out of town again, leaving exactly the same way she came. And this is an undetermined amount of time in the complicated life of showgirls. Wow. Wow. Um it's a it's a it's a lot going on. It's a mouthful. Um but it is it's so a much good time on. though, you know? It is a roaring good time. And uh you know, okay, so like starting out, first of all, this is a conversation obviously about like a movie that elicit certain feelings from people. Uh, I was telling Jane earlier, I actually watched um, the documentary You Don't Know Me, which is about, like, the history of a Showgirls, released in 2019, so it's got a bit of perspective. Um, but, you know, they do, a, they do a really good job of creating a balancing act, and I think they're just pushing back against the narrative that this is just a bad film. You know, mm-hmm. they, they bring up a lot of really wonderful things that we'll be talking about throughout the film. They bring up the fact that, like, a lot of critics said that it visually wasn't, like, appealing, but it's actually, like, really beautifully shot film, which I agree with. I, I agree think it's too. really I think it's actually a very gorgeous film. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of disputes about what the intention was behind the movie. Um, I gather there's been quite a bit of like pivoting on director Paul Verhoeven's part. Um, but totally, but I do also, I do think that one of the things that they brought up, which I thought was a really interesting um, critique was that Verhoeven famously directed movies like basic instinct, starship, starship troopers, uh, RoboCop, which we talked about last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that one, feel free to, um, Please listen to it, for love of God. Um, I mean, we don't need listen to, to listen to our other but episode. We, but we need you to just like show up in a way that you have. Show up yeah. for us in the way that we show uh, up for you every week. Anyway, every week, that. what we've done for every, you, for your kids, for your stupid family, for your time, <laughs> your stupid family. We're not trying to make them love us, not hate us. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, but I, but I mean, violence is usually at like the forefront, and his movies are often like satire that is focused on some aspect of like. American culture, uh, mm-hmm. obviously, and like I mean, and the avaricious, you know, nature of like greed and sex is a thing, but it's usually existing sort of in the background, and violence is foregrounded. And this is mm-hmm. one of the first times where like sex is foregrounded. And I, they were talking about how it's really interesting that when that switch happened and violence was put in the background, that was when people had an issue with it. And up to this point, people really enjoyed his where violence was at front and center. Uh, Showgirls mm-hmm. has obviously gotten a huge cult following in the years in the years following, mostly queer people who obviously identify with like mm-hmm. this movie, whether or not it was intentionally made to be camp. I mean, I have an I have I have an inkling to believe that that was not the intention of the movie on anyone's part. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's why it's so successful as camp is because it is it, it only works when part- it's played for seriousness. Part of camp is, in my opinion, and I'm not the authority on this, but part of what I love so much about camp is that, like, it is something that <clears throat> ages in an unexpected way, I think. And this is something that, like, <clears throat> I was getting pissed off reading all the research when I was doing this after I watched this movie. Um, pissed off at the 
ire that was spat at Elizabeth Berkeley when this is a movie that is really celebrated now in a lot of circles and how it effectively ruined her career and she was kind of the only one who was really uh, affected from this and yeah, drop by I, agents, like drop by agents. No one yeah. would take her calls. I mean, she did not work after this movie. Yeah, and you, we all know this because the only things we know Elizabeth Berkeley from are Saved by the Bell and Showgirls, and, and First Wives Club, and First another, Wives Club, and another character with a hidden past. By the way, I noticed that correlation. And she also had like she had a stint on New Girl and she had a stint on the L Word. Um, so she's done some things, but this was like the, a full decade after this movie came out, and people sort of like reset, you know, their um, brains a little bit. But I will say it's really funny watching this movie now because I texted Brandon again. We try very hard not to talk to each other about the movies we're watching until we start recording. I this is not the movie that I saw however many years ago when I first saw this movie. I saw an extremely censored version of this movie. Oh wow. And I was blown away by watching it because I haven't watched it in years. And I remember they used to play it on VH1 and they would put like a CGI bikini over Elizabeth Berkeley's body. Wow. And so I don't think and I never saw this, the final sexual assault scene. I don't, or, or maybe I blocked it out. It's a good they, chance. It, that it I stands just to reason that. that they, if they cut, if they cut out the other stuff, it stands to reason that they also cut that out. I'm sure they were trying to get this down to an hour and a half, so they probably ended up cutting close to 40 minutes of the actual film in order to fit it into like yeah. a two-hour time slot for like network TV. I mean, and Not to be fair, this movie is this movie is too long. <laughs> it could, it should be an hour and a half. I don't think it needs uh, to be. I think it's the it exact right length, so I will um, <laughs> challenge that first off. But, uh, anyways, yeah. No, I mean, I don't get me wrong. I loved every minute of it, but I certainly, I just texted Brandon one time and I was like, I, I'm sorry. I should have told, like, I feel like you and I are pretty good about being like, hey, there's like, a really brutal scene in this movie. Just like be emotionally prepared, but I did not know that 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 it was coming. No, existed. no, it really shocked me because tonally it comes out of nowhere. And I, I, mean, I no, and I get what Verhoeven. I, I feel like I get what he what he was trying to accomplish with it. Um, you know, I but re- I, I read what he was trying to accomplish it when he was talking about it later. But okay. I do not believe a lot of his accounts about how he is like, I feel like he's walking himself back from a lot of the decisions he made at the time. Oh, no, I absolutely agree with you. I feel like when I watched it, I thought to my, I had that moment with myself where I was like, what's this about? Where is this coming from? And then mm-hmm. it was funny because they said when I was watching the You Don't Know Me, they touched on the exact thing that I thought, which was this whole this whole movie is satirical in its take 
on, you know, the American dream and what it actually looks like. And, you know, that idea of being careful sure. what you wish for because it would surely be yours. And it's like we spent the entire movie glorifying to a certain degree sex. And then in this final moment, it's like this is the real cost. This is what it actually looks like. Like this is what you wanted. You know, it feels like an indictment of you as the viewer. But I don't know if it's necessarily like to me, like completely successful. And I get this idea of like in the end, like this sex and this violence takes out like our most doesn't take out, but but um, causes for violence inflicted on our, the most lovable character in the film, the only redeemable character in the whole movie. Um, so, yeah. And also that, oh my God, I can't believe I'm sorry. I should have had this um, up. Give me one moment. I also, no, this is, I think my first time, this is my first time seeing, um, Pussy? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Cut that. <laughs> this is my first. Yes, I was correct in her name. Uh, oh, that's awful. Okay. Um, Gina Rivera. God, the awful. first the first thing that came up was Gina Rivera said that this showgirls scene is still traumatic twenty five years later. Yeah, I, I I read that about her too. She had a quote that was like. I don't know if I would have taken this part if it was like, if I knew it was going to be like this. And she was like, you know, when you were shooting a scene, your body doesn't know that what you're going through isn't real. And I felt that so hard. Watching this whole movie, every scene, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe how awkward it must have been to film this. How horrible. I mean, the scene where she is writhing around on Kyle... um, what the fuck is his name? McLaughlin. McLaughlin? Mm-hmm. When she is writhing around, like does she's I, I, you you know she's not wearing any underwear or like any sort of like I think what they call modesty patches. She is writhing around with her bare vagina all over him, and I was just like, I can't even imagine. She's only twenty years old. Like, yeah, no, it is no, it is it is wild. And I mean those scenes, it's like those are also those are also the scenes that I was like, okay, so we have like we have first of all this like wild and erratic sex scene happening and we have Elizabeth Berkeley's character of Nomi Malone th- like thrashing around on Zach as Crystal watches and, and rides on like a chaise lounge across the room yeah. and then all later on in the movie when Nomi and and the uh, and the Zach character played by Kyle McLaughlin actually do have sex in the pool we have that same like that same sort of like erratic which is one of the things that came up in the documentary but it's that same sort of like reckless abandon and it's like it those scenes to me felt like I, I don't know what his intent was. They did feel performed in a way that was like, we're going to perform sex. We are aware of what we're doing and we're going to perform sexuality that is so grotesque and like Brandon, monstrous you- that... I don't think at the time they thought that. No, I, I don't know I if genuinely he that. think no, I, I genuinely if- think like looking back they're like, "Oh, yeah, this was definitely satire wink wink." And it's like, "No, you set out to make this thing." And I want them to own I, it. I th- I think I, feel like I think that it. there are, I think that there are things in this movie that I think uh, Paul Verhoeven is not is not a is not a bad director. I think there are things in this I movie. I don't think like, he's a bad director. No, but I'm just saying. I think there are things in this movie that align in a certain way that I think were thought out. I think that mm-hmm. I don't know if Paul Verhoeven thought this is genuinely a sexy moment, 
And like, but I do think it's interesting the way that the two sex scenes with him, one him with with him clothed and one with him not, feature her doing the exact same like flailing of her body with such <laughs> I had to abandoned. Remember when I texted I texted Brandon and I said, "Are you watching Showgirls?" I just had to pause for a ten minute laugh break, and it was after she was fucking Kyle in the pool, okay. where I was like, "What?" So, okay. So, okay. So we have Nomi Malone. She comes to, she, the beginning of the movie starts, Nomi arrives, um, in Vegas, you know, she comes from a small, from a small town, it seems, and we don't really know where. She's mysterious. She eventually gets a job working at the Cheetah, which is a gentleman's club. And um, she's dancing, and there's a scene where she's met this Crystal character. Crystal is, like, a part of Goddess, which is, like, the number one, like, topless, you know, review in Vegas. Uh, And Nomi quickly gets taken in by Molly, a black woman who only serves to, like, support and, like, advance the career and life of this white woman. Um, It is so annoying. (laughs) She takes her into her home, and then then eventually Nomi gets a job at the Cheetah. it's, it's not what she wants. She aspires to be working at this, you know, at, at an upscale establishment like the one that Cheetah, that um, the one that, um, sorry, Crystal works at, and in a show like The Goddess. And so Crystal shows up at the Cheetah with um, with Zach, who is her boyfriend, um, but also like a big wig, heavily involved in the um in the in the productions that are happening, uh, upscale productions, and he's the entertainment director. He's the entertainment director of, of um, the Goddess Show, and they basically request like a lap dance. And at this point, Nomi's already had an unpleasant encounter with Crystal, and. Talk about a character who's, to me, who's the, the most unclear character in this whole movie is Crystal. Like, She's I, an absolute <laughs> enigma. Like, you don't know if she hates Nomi or if she wants to voraciously fuck Nomi. Or if she wants to eat, or she just wants to, like, eat her. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, on yeah. both senses of the word. Um, played <laughs> played wonderfully by uh, the icon that is Gina Gershon. Absolutely. Um, and, um, yeah, so, but it's a scene where they come in. Nomi's roommate, Molly, is a costume designer, seamstress for the Vegas show, the, the goddess show. So, like, she's had a one brief and erratic encounter with Crystal, and then Crystal shows up. Um, after shows up at this nightclub that she works at and requests a lap dance in a private room for her and her boyfriend, Zach. And Nomi declines when they offer her a dollar. And then they slowly up the ante to $500 and she agrees to take them after her boss insists that she does. Yeah, her boss basically is like, take it, she'll do it. Her boss and is then so disgusting. Her boss is awful. And then they put, and then she goes into this room for this lap dance and Crystal has to sit across from them and she climbs on Kyle McLaughlin's lap. She doesn't really give a lap dance. She just rides against him and flails her body about until he comes in his pants. Um, and then... So, you, so and he's seen, he's seen the boss's scene earlier in the movie being like, oh, if he comes, that's great. If he takes it out and comes, call the police, unless he tips big. And it's like... Yeah. It's just the the constant. Well, what um, he says is, if he comes on, if he, if he starts coming on you, which I thought like, in what world is it transpiring in that way? Once that dick comes out, I'm taking Paul Abdul three steps forward, four steps <laughs> two back. Steps back. <laughs> Before in this case, because I don't want that. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that gogur to yourself, sir. 
Um, it is, it's very that. It's like there's not gonna be enough time for that to get on me, baby. Because once I hear that, I, absolutely that YYK zipper, that YYK <laughs> zipper come down, baby, I'm out. We out. But it's also just like another uh, it, one of the very one of the first examples of men setting the boundaries in these clubs as opposed to women. You know? What oh, I mean? for sure. Oh, I think for that, sure. Yeah. And I think that was very intentional for the way this is written. It's like these men are fucking sleaze balls, and they want blowjobs and money. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. As he's like quickly, we find out from uh, the young upstart who shows up at the club. Um, her name is Penny, but he informs her very quickly that that name will not do. Nobody wants to fuck a Penny. Men want to fuck a Hope, apparently, because that's a hotter name. Uh, it's I, like, why I, not like why is that a better name than Penny? Well, he's like, like men want to fuck Heather or Tiffany or Hope, and I'm like, Hope, what? I, I'll give you like Tiffany. I'll obviously give you Crystal. I mean, I'll even give you honestly like a Samantha, maybe. But like, yeah. Jane doesn't want to give me that. Jane doesn't give me Samantha. I'll give you a. Stephanie. I'll give you. S- I'll give you Samantha. Cars are really good. We love like a Lexus. That's always like a good a Porsche. Oh, is a oh, really yeah. good one. Um, mm-hmm. That's those are really good names. Okay, oh, God, so should we, we maybe end this and talk yeah, we about? <laughs> so we find out about that. So we have, so we yeah. have that happening, and then we also have like early on in the movie after Nomi arrives in Vegas. Um, we get a couple of little glimpses at her dancing ability. Um, they're peppered throughout the movie early on to sort of establish her as like, you know, um, a, a woman with um, a dancing prowess that makes her perfect for the stage. And mm-hmm, we get up, mm-hmm. we get her doing, and I would say that Nomi's, well, Nomi's number one, her best, her best sort of quality, I think, in terms of performance is like the abandon with what she is willing to thrash her body around in a space. Um, <laughs> you really you really start to understand that she has no formal training. But I'm confused because she literally gives her all with every... With she every, gives everything, which is part of the problem, actually, I think. <laughs> it's like... Save a little bit. <laughs> I, some of it needs to be dialed back. I wonder about... Because she looks like, like she sees... She's seizing on the dance floor. I wonder about, like, just, like, how Elizabeth Berkley got through shooting this film. Also, we were talking about disrespect earlier. Apparently, they did a... Did you see that they did a VIP, like, special edition packaging of Showgirls? Elizabeth Banks got... I'm sorry. Elizabeth Berkley got paid $100,000 to do Showgirls. And when they were doing this (gasps) VIP thing, they they wanted her to do commentary. She asked for $2,500. And they declined. Like the you know, level, the of level dis- of disrespect. Respect. The fact that she only made a hundred thousand dollars for is this movie, and it is a crazy, crazy. It's a household name. Everybody knows this movie besides your husband and my wife, who continuously call this striptease, which is they both do. Erasure. It's true. Yeah, the whole week. When are we watching striptease? I don't know. What are you watching? It has nothing to do with what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah I got nothing to do with what's going on right now, but. <laughs> Although it came out like the next year and it was also a flop. So they I yeah. mean they tried with these stripper films and it wasn't until our girl, the queen of the rom com, decided to give the kids a little Jay- something and oh! got disrespected by the Academy when they snubbed her for an Oscar Every nomination. time. Every oh, time. I'm so over. Every it. time. Ugh. Hashtag Oscars so white. <laughs> right? Let's get our girl Jenny yep, from the block, it. you know, Jenny on the podium with an award in her mm-hmm. hand. Let's, yeah. Let's give her her flowers while she's still here. Please. 
please. Let's get loud. Anyways, let's and let's get loud. And let's um, not talk about let's not talk about marry me because it was a hit. We're hope we're hoping for some some meaty next year. Oh, something different. Um. So <laughs> so this so we get her at the nightclub, and she we she meets um. She's on the dance floor, her and Molly, and she's out of control. And I like kind of in a way I'm upset with Molly because I feel like I'm I so feel mad. like I feel like Molly, there were points where Molly could have been like, hey, that's that's enough. Um But Molly carries Nomi. I remember when she buys that Versace dress, which by the way, calling it Versace, amazing. But she goes, they're looking at the Versace dress in the window, and Molly go- and she's like, oh my god, it's so beautiful. And Molly goes, I can make you a dress like that. And Nomi goes, I want to buy it. I've got the money. And Molly goes, why? And Nomi goes, I don't know. I just do. And it's after she's given the lap dance for $500, but she definitely doesn't want to let... Um, Molly know how she got the money and she goes I'll make you the dress and then she's like no I want to buy it and then after she buys the dress Molly's like I'll buy you burrito to celebrate you buying this dress and then she's like no and then she's like I'll drive and then she's like okay I'll drive you to work and it's like Molly what like why who wrote this character it's like literally so all she does is drive Nomi around bail her out of a bad situation, make her clothing, and, like, all this shit. And it's so frustrating. And it makes no sense because she's already housing her. And right. Also, as Dave pointed out, when we watched the movie, it's like, how about you, how about you foot some of the bills for rent, girl? Like, because mom was right. the word when she started getting those coins. Although I'm sure Molly <laughs> put two and two together since she works on the show. You're clearly making right. something. And, uh, but it didn't seem like, it didn't seem like that was really something that I heard her say, which was, let me, let me foot some of these, um, let me foot some of these, these utility bills. It was. Let me take Molly out for let me take, a yeah, let me take you dinner. Let me. All you do for me. But all she does is invite her to some party where she gets absolutely brutally assaulted. <laughs> That's in, the only- in, in the most unnecessary scene in the whole film. Um, yeah. We have also, when they're at the nightclub thrashing around, we meet the character of James Smith, played by actor Glenn oh. Palmer. Um, mm-hmm. Once again, though, we have another black character whose sole job in this movie is to just support to support Nomi and remind her how incredible she is. So we now have two <laughs> black people whose only role in this movie is seeking out Molly because uh, seeking out Nomi because neither one of them can stay away from her. They find her constantly and whenever they find her so they weird. instantly go into modes of like affirmation for her, like reminding her that she's incredible and she's the most talented thing in the world. They like they are also like they create opportunities for her. James wants to put her in this in this play that he's putting then this this dance show that he's putting on. Molly helps her get this gig at the theater that she works at. Like, everybody's working overtime to support her. But and anybody who meets Nomi becomes obsessed with her instantly. Anybody who meets Nomi has to have her in their life. Um, she's it's, it's, Carrie Bradshaw, it's Carrie Bradshaw syndrome. And I've maintained this since the beginning of Sex in the City. Everyone in Carrie Bradshaw's life is obsessed with furthering Carrie Bradshaw. It's the same thing with Nomi. It's so annoying because it's like, why are you all so obsessed with her? She's literally rude and mediocre and like messy. A uh, quick pivot. 
Okay. So I mentioned earlier the sexy dance scene. We have her at the club writhing. Then we have James Smith who comes up to her and he says like, oh my God, you're the best dancer I've ever seen in a club full of extras just dancing better than her doing two steps. Exactly. And he's like, like, you're the best dancer. It's like, no, you're the most chaotic and you're taking up the most space on the dance floor. Right. Um, You're actually your conversation piece right now. But that's not always a good thing. Yeah, it's not a great moment. And then she ends up, he's writhing on her inappropriately and she ends up kneeing him in the groin and then she gets thrown out of the club and arrested somehow even though it's like it's not even clear how how that trajectory sort of plays out so confusing I don't know why she gets arrested well also typically speaking I could see them being like even though it's unjustified, I could see them throwing her out of the club. I don't know how we end up in jail, though. But yeah. also, given like the way that Nomi rolls through the world, it is not like crazy to believe that something else popped off after after these two gentlemen grabbed a hold of her. I could see a world in which Nomi pulled out her, at this point in the movie, very familiar switchblade and tried to knife one of these dudes also. I could so, see that too, but we did not see But we see don't that see that happen. We just see her go to jail after kneeing a guy in the groin. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that gives you a taste of the kind of like... First of all, any interaction between... Any interaction between Nomi and anyone is pure chaos. Nomi also has, like, a hairline trigger, so it's like, it doesn't take much. Um, She loses her shit instantly. She literally has emotional regulation problems, and I'm a doctor, so I can say it. And I read somewhere that James Verhoeven was... Are they giving doctorate degrees in napping now, Jane? You bitch. You bitch who's getting his PhD. No, Jane. I, um, what were you, wait, what were you saying? You read somewhere? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. Um, I read somewhere that Paul Verhoeven, like, um, uh, really encouraged that sort of overacting from Oh, yeah, for sure. Which she got so much flack for, and it's like, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating to see, like, how destroyed she was from this. Because, I mean, like, honestly, it is a hilarious portrayal of a person, but after watching RoboCop 2, like, I can see... Like, that is a style that I think Paul Verhoeven, like, values. And I felt like just reading about how destroyed Elizabeth Berkley was after this movie and, like, how, like, the, the scenario in which she signed on for this movie had just done Basic Instinct. Sharon Stone was, like... A fucking star. Yes, yeah, it made it made Sharon Stone a like Sharon an A lister literally overnight. Yeah. Basic Instinct, and she probably thought she was going to have that same moment. Exactly, and I think a lot of people choose the movie they're going to do based on like the directors and the producers oh, sure. who have good reputations. And it's like she signed on twenty years old. She had been in Full House, um, not Full House, Saved by the Bell for a long time, and had just gotten canceled. And she was like, "I'm going. This is the next step for." me and like so what if I have to like (laughs) be totally nude and full frontal like this uh, clearly I'm in good hands and I just reading about it is just like piss me the fuck off you know and also it's collateral damage and all but also I I don't know I looked at some of the other actresses who apparently were in talks for this part and it's like an interesting (laughs) list I saw that um, our anti-vax queen uh, Jenny McCarthy, McCarthy Wahlberg came really close to getting it, except she couldn't dance, which was like 70% of the part. Um, I love how you threw in the Wahlberg. <laughs> hey, baby. 
Um, <laughs> but right now, it's attached. Um, and so I her, and then I also saw that apparently they were talking to Drew Barrymore at one point about it. Yeah. Um, so I saw there were a lot of names of actresses. Denise Richards was in the mix, but he saved her for Starship Troopers um, a couple years later. Uh, Charlize Theron was... Charlize was, Theron um, would have been a whole different in. kind of monster. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is one of those where everybody's just like, Alexa, play, best thing I never had. But yeah, just, because Exactly, because it's like the... Ugh, I just feel... I, but I, I do want to say, obviously this movie proved to be really detrimental for Elizabeth Berkeley's career but I actually think that Elizabeth Berkeley is perfect for this part because she brings like this sort of like she brings this sort of like naivete and like this like this volatile like unpredictability to the part and there's just mm-hmm. so many like moments like the movie I okay I watch it Jane recommends this movie to me I put it on I'm hooked in five minutes because uh, this is, is uh, this is a movie after my own heart. And so Absolutely. when I first when it first starts, I think this is chaotic. I don't understand motivations. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know that it was going to keep building um, in the way that it did. But I was excited, to say the least. And uh, I I thought in the very first scene, we see her like hitchhiking. She gets in the car. She gets in the truck with this dude. And he, like, makes, like, light sort of, like... He makes light sort of flirtatious, like, advances, if you can even call them. And he is driving the vehicle at the time. But Mm -hmm. they're on the road. She pulls this blade out so fast. And I'm like, give her... (laughs) Just give her motivation to do it if you want her to do it. But, like, him saying hello and being like, you're cute. And then Nomi pulling out a blade and, like, putting it in his face is, like... The first clue that, like... Well, here's a perspective. I, I, no, I'm give gonna, it up. Give it up. I, I don't disagree with you that this is a ridiculous scenario, but I uh, there's a couple of things about the scene where, like, I understand, given the context, uh, after watching the whole story and knowing Nomi's history... Oh, for sure. Pollyanna, for sure. For sure. Where she worked as Pollyanna. a sex worker... Yes. Um, ...and moved all around the country and probably is used to that kind of conversation turning into some sort of danger. And so running around the country and having a hairline trigger like i i understand why she is the way she is but when you're watching the movie it's entire it's not explained until the end and if you're not being thoughtful about the character it just seems way overdone so when you are first experiencing this you're like you're like where whoa what just happened um yeah and also i think like being a woman my the hair on the back of my neck stands up anytime someone I don't know or have you know no affiliation with says something that even is slightly sexual to me and I'm sure she gets so much of that that she is just on 10 all the time so I did whereas before when I what was the beginning of the movie I was like this is craziness I kind of understand it now that I've seen I understand too I also if I was her I would have been worried about getting kicked out because I would have pulled over and kicked her out just because I would have been scared she was going to stab me in my neck but yeah, I also would never um, hitchhike. <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. When she gets to Vegas, he, I forget what he tells her, like, well, my uncle works for this casino or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I can hook you up. I can hook you up. And 
the fact that she believes him and leaves her stuff in the in the car, I was like, now that I know who Nomi who's, is, I don't, where you I from. don't, I don't believe she would have trusted. Well, there's him. no reason to. Right. And I feel like she would have known better other than, but they obviously needed her to freak out and meet Molly. And they so needed to, the to, they needed her to be in, I guess, more dire straits than she already was in. And right. I'm not sure what more a suitcase would have helped. It still would have been a pretty bad situation. But they get, they get her to, she gets to this club. She's kind of waiting on this dude who said he's got this hookup for her. Um, he drives off with her suitcase. He, he got it. He did it. Um, wow, and, a bunch of women's clothing. <laughs> exactly. Like, and like probably sparse Toiletries. And probably caffeine pills. Um, but um, <laughs> shout out to Jesse Spano. Absolutely. Queen shit. Um, but she's in the casino. She's playing the slots. And this man like walks up to her and propositions her for sex. And it is so crazy to me because she's literally wearing like a pair of jeans and like a leather jacket and a blouse. And it's just like, and he's like, <laughs> and he makes all of these like really like insinuating comments. Now, I'm not saying that a woman in like a mini skirt and a halter top deserves it, but she just looks like everybody else at the casino. Like there's nothing about her that stands out. I mean, Elizabeth Berkeley is obviously a very beautiful woman but it's like I just don't know what would prompt um like a man to like walk up to another patron of like an establishment like that who's like playing a slot machine by herself and being like hey I'll pay you to fuck it's like what my dad's right there asshole like I'm <laughs> I'm good like why would you assume that she was a sex worker it was just crazy to me not that sex workers deserve that either but it was just like what's happening like where did this come from and I guess it's like all men are pieces of shit, which, like, I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, well, but it was a really funny, like, th- odd th- way to start the film, I thought. like I just- Everyone, everyone in Vegas thinks she's a sex worker. But I will say that I have been mistaken for... Someone has offered me money on the street as well when I was coming home from work dressed in business casual. Way to flex, like, Jane. Here we go. At, like, trust me, it is not a flex. It was actually one of the most you know how drunk I was and you still hold it against me it was a guy who followed me down Wilson in his car very slowly and I was trying to walk really fast and not pay attention to him and he kept saying how much how much how much what about $200 what about $200 come on you're not making $200 in a day your job are you and I was just like I'm just trying to go home buddy please leave me alone so I just want offer context that it does not matter what you look like or what you're wearing or where you are men are trash and disgusting and they will always try to buy sex from you that's good what did you do with that two hundred dollars by the way (laughs) i took myself out to a nice lobster dinner nice Ooh, lobster dinner why is that my takeaway so quickly i gotta learn um but no that's a really good point jane um and uh you know to all the sex workers out there get yours and, and you know do your Make thing your money. not in any way speaking disparagingly about that um, no we're talking about men being disgusting thinking everyone is available absolutely. to them and absolutely. it's like no honey also in this movie <laughs> there's so much so Molly there's takes so much so Molly takes Nomi out for like a burger and fries which is her favorite meal we find out and mm. Molly literally just asks a couple of like really light questions that you're going to ask a person who you're preparing to sort of house um, rent free oh um, and one of the questions is where are you <laughs> she asks her like where are you from and she says and she says a lot of places and she <laughs> 
throws the fries like all over the table and all over herself, which is that's sign number one that like don't I'm going to re- renege this offer from you, sis, because you're wild and you just wasted all those fries that I worked hard for. Um, exactly. For. I, clearly, I'm paying for them. You don't have any money. You're yeah. Here, you know, 10 minutes. You shit stolen. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it's great. And so this is shortly before we have Molly showing up at the, Molly gets invited to see the Goddess Review because I'm so sorry. Nomi gets invited to see the Goddess Review because Molly works at the um, backstage at the show and she gets to meet Crystal. Crystal is like Queen Bee of Vegas. She has been headlining at this show for eight years and she's just she's that girl. And, and she has her makeup, by the way, when we meet Crystal is big euphoria vibes she's got full-on maddie um brand doesn't watch but full-on maddie like bedazzled eyeliner like it's it's so good and it was very good to see it again in this day and age where it's like this is like all coming back and like all of the clothing i'm like oh my god i see like this is like fashion over like they're just repurposing everything from showgirls that outfit, there's the outfit. Who is it who wears it? Oh my god. Somebody what is it? damn it. It's the outfit that Gina Gershon wears. I it's it was in the 90s and I can't remember. There's a pop star who wore almost the exact same outfit. Maybe Britney, maybe somebody else though. It's the outfit that Gina Gershon wears when they go to the Cheetah Club. Oh, it's the, the chain halter the top. chain male halter is, top and it's skirt. So good. I think that was Christina Aguilera, if I remember was it? correctly. I think Oh man, so. I gotta look I gotta look into it. It is so good. It is just it's, like it's so good. And like Gina Gershon's body is like insane. She looks so good. When I saw it, I freaked out because I thought it was I thought it was me when I first um saw her. I didn't remember doing the movie, but when I saw the way that her body sort of fit in the outfits and I'm sure you thought the same thing right Jane? I'm uh, I I will say that every time I see Gina Gershon doing something I'm always like I I give for a second I'm like oh my god is that me oh I thought it was gonna be celebrating me okay it was International Women's Day so yeah is it you yeah okay <laughs> um maybe it was Brittany that did the chainmail outfit I can't yeah I, I you guys Ooh. I can't find it, but it was, it's, uh, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty amazing. It's and, incredible. Uh, Whatever. Look it up. It's perfect. Anyway, Brittany did a version, but it's somebody else. And it's going to come to me in a million years and I'm going to yeah. text Jane, even if it's two in the morning. Um, but yeah, it's a really good outfit, but there's so many really good outfits in this movie, but that's like the moment that like, at this point, Nomi's working at the cheetah, she's like hoping and aspiring to work at, um, to work in the Goddess Review. What's the hotel that they're at that the Goddess Re- that the Goddess Review is performing? The at? Stardust. The Stardust Hotel. She's. I hoping- don't know if that's a real hotel or yeah. not in Vegas. It was. It is a real. Screams okay. through the door. Um, <laughs> it is. Um, but it's also Nomi's also sitting in the audience watching Crystal perform, and she's doing the dance move like in the seat. It's so inappropriate. Um, it's just okay. not how you behave. It's just not how you. It's not how you experience a show. Um, it's like, okay, there is, you know, the comedian John Early, of course. Yeah. He and Kate Berlant and Cola Scola recreated the first rehearsal scene from Showgirls with John Early playing Nomi, Kate Berlant playing gay, 
and Cola Scola playing Russell. Okay. And <laughs> I have the YouTube link because I wanted to make sure that you watched it at some point. I'm going to put it in this chat. But it is literally just the exact recreation of the um, rehearsal scene. With, ju- with just that. It's so good. And it's it's it literally like the outfits are the same. Like it, it looks like it's in the same place. It's it's iconic. Ooh, okay. I'm going to have to check that out for sure. Yeah, it's really funny. Um, But then starts this relationship with Crystal and Nomi, which is so confusing because you can't tell. I mean, they don't know. They don't consistently seem to understand what they are even to each other. So it's. Crystal is a confirmed bisexual, I think. Yeah. 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 Does she say so in the movie? She doesn't say so, but Zach says after Zach and Nomi sleep together, and then yeah. Zach proposes that Nomi become Crystal's understudy after uh, unfortunate marble incident. Um, <laughs> then, then Crystal confronts Zach, and Zach says, "She." Crystal says, "You fucked her, didn't you?" And then Zach says, "Oh, you mad? I did it. You mad? I fucked her before you did." And then, yeah, Crystal like snarls. It's a doggy dog world out there. You know, uh, absolutely. And um, so this scene happens, and then we get like the scene that James was referencing earlier, where they they let her do like he makes all the girls take their bras off. Three of the girls that he keeps, he makes them take their bras off, and then he wants like Nomi to get her nipples hard, which is like, oh, it's um, so disgusting. He brings her a bowl of ice and is like, "Get your nipples hard," and she's like, she freaks out and leaves. Yeah. Yeah. But we also know that this is another test courtesy of Crystal. Like she's making sort of like she's putting Nomi through these different tests and she's making like these sort of potential opportunities present themselves to Nomi. But it's like she's got to keep jumping through these hoops to get them. Um, And it's just another way of, you know, Crystal letting Nomi know that she's controlling the narrative. And like, you know, when she says, turn your head, baby, you better say what direction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because Crystal's the only woman with any agency in this entire movie. Everyone absolutely. else is like a total prop. And Crystal is actually like people listen to her and she makes decisions. They're not like kind ones, but like she can make people do things. You because know? she's and proven herself to be valuable. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 Gina Gershon plays this character so well, I think. She does. Be- because it's like there's so much mystery behind Crystal like you get sort of glimmers of who she is but you know that she's like been through absolute hell to get where she is and she is in some way either like training Nomi to like have the same experience so that she you know maybe it's like a tough love thing or she's competitive and jealous you can't ever really tell and that's the thing I love about the Crystal Connors character what's also interesting because it's like at times you feel like it's tough love and then other times you feel like she's just it's almost like she doesn't know because at times it feels like a kind of benevolence and then at other times it feels like no I'm just going to make this as hard as I can for you until you give up and like right and so it's an interesting thing. She clearly sees something in Nomi that she also sees in um, in herself. And I think that that's uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. 
But there's like, there's also like the showgirls in the, once Nomi gets in the show, there's all this craziness backstage. It seems that D, I believe it's D and Annie are the two that are like sort of going at it constantly. Yeah, and they're fighting. And they're, D is the understudy. Yeah. Well, no, Annie is the understudy. Oh, sorry. Yes. Yeah, Annie is the understudy. D and her are fighting a lot. Then there's this crazy scene where D, D's two small children are like in the back for some reason, being annoying as hell. And they're just back there screaming for Child monkeys. The monkeys expensive. are... I guess so, but it's also like, get out of here. And I agreed with Annie. I didn't agree with the way Annie said it. Annie, the kids are like yelling. There's monkeys that are in a show that's also happening on stage. They see the monkeys in the cages. They want to play with them. Their mother says they can't. And then they start, one of the little girls starts having a bit of a tantrum because she wants to play with the monkeys. And then Annie says, shut the fuck up. And then the little girl says, oh my God, mommy, she said a bad word. And then the little girl, and then, and then once again, Annie says, I said, shut the fuck up. And it's like, okay, Annie's definitely being rude and it's out of pocket. You should be cursing at children but also what are these kids doing back here we're trying to get ready for a show okay <laughs> it's too much like and what's your plan when we're on stage are we just gonna sure, let them but you could be empathetic to your coworker who couldn't get child care no thing. no oh. if they wanted that then the <laughs> mom should have been the word with these kids i knew how to be seen and not heard when i was a child yeah but um, you're a rare child who is way more well behaved than most children I, I guess that's true. My whole point you is that I justice for show Annie. well ju- justice for Annie, sure, but like you, you definitely were a very well behaved child in a way that I was not. So I understand being a reckless kid. Yeah. Okay. So Nomi shows up. Nomi's leaving the Stardust. James works as a bellhop at the Stardust. He ends up quitting his job because he's having a conversation with her and his boss is like, do your job. And he's like, fuck this. And so he leaves. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell this woman that she's the inspiration for every dance I've ever created. And like, yeah, he's talking to Nomi about how that thrashing she did at the nightclub that night inspired him to write this dance piece for her. And then they take off and they get Nomi oh a hamburger um, oh that she eats violently. Um, unlike anyone's ever eaten before. Um, well, she's, you know, been on brown rice and vegetables. Those brown rice and veggies, and she's been wanting a hamburger. So For they, how so long, she, we don't know, because timeline doesn't exist in this movie. No, there's no timeline. She's smashing this hamburger. He gets her back to his place, and they start, like, going at it. It's, uh, it's pretty hot and heavy. Um, Excuse me, they're not going at it. They're dancing together. Well, they're they- dancing, and then she's sort of, like, rubbing in his body. He pulls out her breasts, and uh, <laughs> which I think at that point concludes the dancing and start. I was wondering, I I was wondering out. when I was watching this, I was like, where? How does this go from dancing to having sex, and where is the point? And I think when right. someone starts to rub your tits and pull them out of your top, you're no longer dancing; you are engaging in a sexual activity. I think absolutely no. I think that's I a pretty. Think. I think if it's just a. I think if it's a two of you and you don't have an audience, I mean. No, for sure. But also, um, how does she know the dance? I mean, she doesn't, and it's not good. So, I mean, <laughs> she's just flailing her body about, and it's like she He's knows how to do that. He's an Alvin Ailey dancer. Apparently, is he, though? Because he saw no. her, and Alvin Ailey, one of the most incredible <laughs> dance companies in the world, in the is world. where he comes from, and he saw her doing the herky-jerky on the dance floor at the club. (laughs) And he was like, (laughs) forget about Alvin Ailey. Forget about this incredible black dance dance troupe. You, random white woman, rhythmlessly flailing around in a pink 
fringe dress. I wrote yeah. a note. I was like, if James is an Alvin Allen, Alvin Alley dancer, so am I. <laughs> exactly. And that makes sense. Once again, it's International Women's Day, which makes it appropriate for white women to co-opt a culture that they have uh-huh. no right to. So it makes sense that uh-huh. Jane would attempt uh-huh. to place herself uh-huh. in the POC mm-hmm. lineage that mm-hmm. is the Alvin Ailey Dance Company. So mm-hmm. thank you for that mm-hmm. cherry on top of a chaotic well, I do day say- coming off of the shortest month of the year <laughs> that they give us. I do want to say, Brandon, while we're on the topic, feminism is historically very racist and white. So International Women's Day. Yeah, Jane, your Susan B. Anthony tattoo is showing. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Susan B. Anthony was really racist. <laughs> And I'm yeah, not I'm laughing. Sh- Yo, you are celebrating. I'm that. laughing because it's like I want people to know that. Okay. Um, so <laughs> we have this weird sex thing that happens. We have we have James pulling out her breast, and then he starts to then he's like wants to take things to the next level, and Nomi coolly whispers in his ear, "I'm on my period," and he doesn't believe her, and so she's which like, is very strange. It's very strange, but then also. <laughs> What the point? It doesn't matter if she's telling the truth or not. That's not the point. She said it one hundred percent. But then he doesn't believe her. He's skeptical, and then she goes check, and oh then God. he, like a psycho, checks <laughs> because that wasn't enough. And because then we have him sticking his finger into her pants, and then she's like, "See," and then he's like, "Also, like we can put do- down some." He's like, "We can put down some towels." And she's like, you can fuck me when you love me. But also it's like, what is she like free bleeding where he can just stick his (laughs) hand into her pants and like get some blood? It's like, honey, before you leave, maybe visit the bathroom and change that that diva cup. (laughs) I think I broke Brandon. That's like generally like if you're bleeding, you're not writhing around on somebody. Yeah. Well, also, if you're I'd be like, I'd be like. I have to go to the bathroom here. This like isn't nope. a good situation. Nope. Nomi is just noshed on that hamburger. <laughs> she's, she's ready for the day. Also, she leaves so confidently after we watched him drive her quite a distance in his car. Where are you going? To the bus? Because <laughs> she leaves like she knows the neighborhood. She's always like, got cab fare, doesn't she? And Nomi, in this movie, it's so interesting because I don't think of Vegas as like a city that's like super pedestrian friendly. But there are so many scenes where Nomi storms off and just starts walking and hoofing it somewhere. It's like, yeah. where are you going? Vegas isn't it's set so, up like that. You are not in New York. It's so hot. It's so hot, too. I've only been to Vegas one time and I never left the Strip. The Strip itself is very walkable. Actually, that's not true. I did leave the strip. We went, we like rented a boat, but like we drove like 30 minutes to it. So it's like, I feel like outside of the strip, it's like, are people walking around here? It's first of all, it's a a hundred degrees. Well, if you're Nomi, apparently you're doing what you want to do. She's on that. But she's just like, Nomi is always getting rides places. People are always, you know, she doesn't have a car and everyone's just like shuttling her around. Also toward. Okay. So after Nomi, eventually she, she, um, she lames Crystal. And once that happens, then she gets that spot in the show. Um, and she's now the queen bee. And we, we see her changing 
You know, we have her. We mm. have her early in the movie. She's enticed. She's using her sex, her sexuality, to get what she wants. And everybody else in the movie is trying to get it, get what they want from her. So why not? So when she takes, when she performs really good sex with Zach, it is clear that mm. like she's just like doing what she needs to do to advance her career. And good on you, it works. Um, she gets the it position. Works. I as, feel like a part of that too is like there. That's like she's fucking over Crystal. Who? Oh, I for mean, sure. To be fair, she's already fucked over. Over, yeah. but like I mean, she's already fucked over putting her in the hospital, I guess. But well, like, no, that, that's but that's that ha- that hasn't happened yet. Though. That's later. That's later. You're right. She right, has right. sex with she's sex with Zach. It gets her a spot to audition for the replacement part after old girl's injured by those uh, crystals on the stage. If and you guys do, I do want to say if you guys do have a chance to watch this movie, one of the most significant scenes is that pool sex scene. Yeah, it's Don't hot. You think? It's hot. No. I actually I'm, honestly would have, I would have been like, you need to have a chiropractor on set because the way that she is flailing, she's going to injure a vertebrae. It's too much. If I was having sex with somebody and they started doing that, I would stop. And I would I, say, what's going on? First of on? all, I would be like, I'd be like, is this comedy or is this sex? Because I can't take you seriously. I would think this that honestly, I would think much. someone, if a person, if I was having sex with and they were doing that, I would think that maybe they were dying. And I'm not joking. I would think that they may be like, <laughs> no. I, I think that'd be a reasonable. I think it would be a reasonable assessment, and we I'd be, be like, hitting the pause for a second to like or, assess. Or like, are you on some sort of drugs? Which she did some coke. I think. Well, that's later, what I was getting but. to. So, so okay. So all of this happens. She gets the gig. A lot of people are upset about it. It's so funny. It's her and two other girls who are auditioning for this part. She does fine. They pick from the three of them. They're all good dancers, and like everybody's so mad when she gets it, which is like funny to me because it's like. She's just as good as the other two. And I get that she's obviously got this sort of like connection behind the scenes, but the other girls are so pissed at her. But it's like if she went out there and made an ass of herself, then it would be one thing. But she went out there and she did fine, just like you two did fine. And everybody's like, I can't believe this. This is bullshit. It's like none of y'all were killing it. Um, Also, by the way, so that happens. And then she gets it. And then uh, Crystal finds out. Crystal's pissed. And then they renege. They take that offer of the understudy part back from her. So she's now just in the course. She goes to the office of Zach to confront him because she thought she had this gig. And when she goes to the office of Zach, his secretary is walking out of his office. Nomi bodies her. She Mm -hmm. loses a full weight of her body to push this woman in her tartan, in her tartan two-piece businesswoman suit, who's having an okay day. Her name is, I'm sure, Carol. And she's feeling really good about herself. She's got her bumping in her hair. I'm sure she's got ticket for Jesse for for Jesse and the Rippers later that night. And (laughs) she bodies her into the into the wood grain, into the wood paneling of his office. And I mean, that, that one's got a lawsuit. And she heads in that office and she's got a lot of she's got a lot of venom for old the boy. attitude is unnecessary to be taking out on innocent bystanders. Well you can't you just side note, you just can't assault office workers. You you so, can't assault anybody. You can ass- I mean some people, but you really shouldn't touch like on office workers. You know? it's, only, it's only clerical really that I um you're fine hitting women. I mean, for a woman fine. to hit a woman, I'm not getting involved in that. You're That's queen <laughs> behavior. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to let two queens figure it out. You know? <laughs> queen's Gambit, basically, basically, as far as I'm concerned. A show I have never seen, and I don't know what that reference Anya is. Anya Taylor-Joy. It's a fantastic show. Everyone go. should check it out. The performance of a fucking lifetime. 
I don't know what that means, but it's a good show. It's a really funny scene, and she's really, like, feels feeling very entitled and really feeling herself. And mm-hmm. um, he basically just explains to her that this is how the business works, and, like, Crystal's gotten the best of her once again. So it's a And Crystal, a and scene. that's Crystal showing her agency, too, where she's, like, wielding her lawyers. She's like, I'm hurt, but I will not be. Oh, this is She's not she hurt saying. at this point. I know. No, I this is literally just her. This is just Crystal throwing her weight around as the star of this show, being like, I'm the name. Okay, so the wildest thing that happens... It can't be Nomi. It cannot be Nomi. So the wildest thing that happens after this is that Crystal's injured, and then they're looking for a replacement for Crystal. And... Zach goes to them on, you know, as an advocate for Nomi to say, let's give Nomi the shot. Every, all these bigwigs are in the room. This is a huge show at the <laughs> yeah, Stardust. No, they I are trying to say. figure out where they're going to go from here. And then one of them says, how about we get Janet Jackson or Paula Abdul? Paula Abdul. <laughs> okay. So let's process this for a second. Okay. I Janet Jackson and Paula Abdul. Janet, Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl. She established mm-hmm. that in the 90s. Janet and this Jackson. Is this is 1995. Okay, both of them so, at the height of their career. They're going to do a topless show in Vegas. The, Janet Jackson at this point is one of the biggest stars in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, like just process the fact that like it's like if y'all have that kind of coin to get Janet Jackson to do a show. And this isn't like now where we've got Adele doing it. If you put into context the fact that the Janet album came out in 1993 and was at the top of the charts for a freaking decade, okay? Velvet Rope is coming out in like a couple of years and you're going to be gagging again. You're so like, literally going to lose your fucking mind. It's going to be and they were like, in your car. And we've got Crystal who's been who's been getting it at the who's who's been doing it and dipping and doing it over at the Vegas show <laughs> and that's it and we're like you know what let's see if we can get Winnie Houston in here for a minute you can't <laughs> spoiler alert you don't have you don't have the money okay you don't have the money you don't have the power you don't have the prestige you don't have any of it it's just like, and I, what are you and what are we are we attempting to say that like crystal is like <laughs> Is, is on like on the par? level. <laughs> well, this is the thing that I don't understand is that like I wrote, I had all of this stuff in my synopsis about how I really didn't understand like the level of fame achieved from this show because it's so confusing to me the way that like they treat Crystal and then like the they treat Nomi after she takes over for Crystal and they throw this like lavish party for her with like literal like lobsters scattered on the table and everyone's there and famous musicians and everyone's celebrating she's got a billboard and I'm like does this happen in Vegas is Vegas a world another world that I am not I don't understand so here's the thing Dave just jumped in with they were going to shut down the show and have one of them come to a residency like Cher okay oh but, okay. okay yeah but that wasn't a thing that was happening that wasn't happening like that at this point that wasn't happening in 1995 that is a relatively Especially- like new phenomenon having being able to well get that's not li- true but it's people like you know um 
like Barry Manilow. No, I know that, but I'm talking about like oh, young, okay. like young stars who are at the peak of their fame. That's right. Like, I'm agreeing. That, yeah, I'm agreeing yeah, no, for sure. That's not. That's like somebody today being like, let's call, let's call up Beyonce and see if we can get Beyonce um, t- to come do to come do a show. Like now, you may be able or to. like Dua Lipa. Yeah, <laughs> it would be like a huge. It would be like a huge deal to get like a Janet Jackson. We were talking completely different level of money and like right. what is that even what does that look like so it was just funny to hear it in this movie i get that like now it's a thing and absolutely stars now are flocking to vegas because it's like hey like let me just get set up in a location adele you know let me pay, pay me 2.5 million dollars a night and i'll go out there and croon some songs for you and cash Ugh. my checks and go hang out with scrooge mcduck after like um that's uh, by the way that's peak fame for me is getting to hang out with scrooge mcduck in case anybody was confused about that he's coined <laughs> d- up diving he into your coin collection oh my god he doesn't even have to wear pants and nobody says a word He's, he, is that reputation. sort of your level of like is that your dream you want to walk around without what Winnie the Pooh in it with Scrooge Winnie McDuck yeah I mean maybe I mean if Scrooge McDuck was like I'm my house no pants and I'd be like okay, okay. you pay me okay you know Scrooge McDuck has like a Scottish accent right what what is it what is Scottish what is what is any um of a country you show me your Scottish accent, Queen. It's International Women's Day. International emphasis. Okay, on it. I'll I, I'll cook one up for you. Okay, here we go. First sign, it's not gonna be great. <laughs> cook one up. <laughs> That's what Jane said when I asked her to do my taxes. She's like, let me cook. Let me cook these books real quick. And what by books, I, I meant book because <laughs> it wasn't that much. <laughs> You've been cooking the book. <laughs> Just one. <laughs> I'm not going to do my Scottish No, accent. of course not. You're a mess. So I'm, I do a good... Ask, ask Laura, I do a good Scottish accent. I'm not checking here. Okay. I love I love that you need me to check your references because you can't <laughs> do it right now. So you're trying to guess. Because I'm nervous. You know it's going to be bad when you're like... Yeah, I, you're and I also, bad. like, I don't know what to say, you know? That's a um, um, And so, also, also, we didn't talk about it earlier. Gina Gashan, who I love... She has like a her southern accent is really in and out, and uh, I the th- it's really in and out. And they kept making her say the word darling, but she doesn't have a good southern accent. But they just want to remind us that she's from the south and she's like, you know, from humble beginnings. So they kept putting darling into the script. So it, it was, and that was the only time you really got it, but like wasn't very good. And I was like, she could be from the Midwest, that's okay. Also, okay, so we have to talk about it. Um, it is the elephant in the room. It is towards the end of the movie, there is an assault that happens. Leading up to the assault, okay, we have Molly, who is the only character at this point. I mean, I am kind of ro- I'm rooting for Nomi, and I know she's messy. You're rooting but she's still for my Nomi, girl. but she doesn't like fully deserve it. But you're no, rooting for her, but I'm course. still there because I'm here for the chaos, and I of love course. the I love the tornado that she brings with her wherever she goes, and I love, <laughs> I that love anybody someone- can get it. Anybody yeah. can get it. And by it, mm-hmm. I mean just, like, that ass whooped. Like, Nomi's <laughs> always ready. Um, and it doesn't matter if you deserve it or not. We all know what happened to Carol the secretary early in the movie. Um, so, but, like, Nomi, okay, Nomi pushes, so, okay, to be fair, Crystal has, at this point, taken the opportunity to understudy away from Nomi. And she's sort of rubbing salt in the wound throughout the movie. Uh 
Nomi's really good at doing nails, which we find out early and little happens with, but it's something that is brought up. And at one point, after Nomi's been given this understudy role, she offers to do Crystal's nails, and Crystal says no. And then after Nomi has the opportunity taken away from her, Crystal uses it as an opportunity to cattily let Nomi know that now you can do my nails now. You've been downgraded again, Mama. Um, and so they're performing this show on stage. They're doing this dance routine that doesn't need to be done. Um, it is they're giving a lot of mouth. They're doing a lot of mouth performing. It's a lot of because <laughs> it's very oh, animalistic. The, the, the motorcycle one. The motorcycle one. Um, yeah. And I do want to say, can I yeah. just jump yeah, in? Yeah, of course. You're talking about the nail thing, and I do want to say that obviously throughout the story, they're sort of looking down on Nomi for being a great nail artist, and I want to talk about how significant that truly is because this week I got my nails done after not. I used to get my nails done like every two weeks and then I lost my job for a while and I took it out of my budget and all that kind of stuff and I finally getting back to a place where I'm like you know more financially stable and I got my nails done this week and I got into my car and like teared up a little bit afterwards because I was like I can finally afford this again. I can finally do this again. I felt like I was so much getting so back to myself after a really long time of of giving up a lot of things that meant a lot to me. So I want to I want to say that like the fact that they use that as an example to like look down on Nomi really hit me because I was like this these people don't even know how significant that can be sometimes oh for sure no it's like it's a game changer but these are also people mm-hmm. who don't value things like that you know what I mean we're right of course but you're no but you're but you're totally right the fact that like we found out early in the movie that it's something that Nomi does really well during a scene mm-hmm. when her after Molly has moved her in her home without knowing who she is um and <laughs> we found out early that she does nails and then she offers it and then Crystal's like now that you are beneath me again although it's like she if, if you th- thought she was beneath you before then her being your understudy she's still beneath you but anyway right. um but this is what sort of then they're, they're on stage together they're all performing in pairs crystal and nomi are performing together crystal is in the role of the master nomi is in the role of the slave in the scene and crystal's really enjoying it and mm-hmm. it's it's just enough it's just that impetus that nomi needs that when they're coming off the stage and they're going down that set of stairs the hand, you know, we all knew, we all knew Nomi wasn't that girl to mess with. Um, she gets those two hands on that back and she gets that 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 helpful nudge d- that leads her into quite the tumble. Um, and uh, Molly clocks it. Molly clocks it. Molly, who is Nomi's friend, who's been working on the show, played by Gina Rivera, who I know is Cousin Faith from Soul Food. Shout Absolutely. Out. I was like, how do I know her? How do I know her? How do I know her? And I looked up and I was like, Absolutely. Of course. So good. Um, and Icon. Uh, icon. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our friends' sexual awakening was the scene between Michael Beach and Gina Rivera. Um, we got that <laughs> shot of... Uh, <laughs> Michael Beach's booty and him and him and cousin Faith were slamming. Um, yeah, you know she hit rewind, rewind, rewind. <laughs> we know she did back in the day. Reverse, reverse. Um, so Molly sort of observes this happen, and this is the moment she makes eye contact with Nomi, and we see that she saw what occurred. And then Nomi's version of events, once we realize that she was a person behind Crystal, is corroborated by D, who's the girl who dropped the crystals on the ground earlier, and. 
and um, took out Annie. So she's like, yeah, I know. I, I do violence around her too, girl, so I got your back. Um, <laughs> although although later on, after Nomi gets upgraded to Crystal's part while Crystal's recovering, in the hospital, Dee makes sure to, to let Nomi know, hey, girl, I'm looking for that undercity spot for you. And I just thought, it's only going to be a matter of time. Although what I, I really know. thought was, Dee, you better watch out. Because if you come for Nomi... <laughs> you, I mean, you better shoot to kill, Ma, because <laughs> you she's a different. Shoot to kill. <laughs> she's a different kind of beast. She's she, taking you out and your she's kids. Not, she's not getting soft like Crystal. No, Although no, no. I did, I did think. Sorry, what's her name? Annie. Yeah. Annie, I did think Annie had was she had dreads, and I was like, can someone talk to Annie about her dreads before she gets that? Um, Annie is a white person with dreads. I should mention. Oh, just to let her know about cultural appropriation. Yeah, Something tells was, me you're about two decades too early. <laughs> um, I was just like, not a cute look, but no, girl, didn't age well. Uh, so <laughs> that, but it tells us a lot about her wild sense of judgment, and so it lets us know that she's a chaotic person. Right, um, exactly. That's and, true. Uh, Adds to her story. I'm sure that was a choice. Absolutely. That's why Verhoeven was like, more dreads in her hair. It'll let everybody know she's irrational. Um, so this all happens. So then so then Molly and Nomi see each other at the party. Andrew Carver comes in. Molly, Nomi, knowing what a big fan Molly is of Andrew Carver, brings her over, introduces her to him. Um, Nomi informs him that she's one of his biggest fans. And then they sort of walk off together, Molly and Andrew. And, you know, it's fine. It seems like a relatively like benign encounter. Um, a few moments later, Andrew Carver, who also has two like bodyguards with him, he's alone in a room with Molly. They have what appears to be an innocent peck on the lips. And then the two bodyguards come in the room. Molly's confused and perplexed by what's happening. And then this turns into Andrew Carver punching her in the face and then an extremely violent and gratuitous sexual assault on Molly for inexpl- inexplicably like it comes out And the of thing is they nowhere. cut they cut from it and then they go back to it and I, I to me I just could not believe the choice I could not believe the choice to depict it the way that they did we didn't need to see Molly get destroyed like that we didn't need we needed you know Nomi would have gotten mad if it was uh, you, no matter what happened to Molly and would have motivated her to do what she does at the end of the movie. We did not need it to be this horrible, brutal sexual assault. It yeah, could have yeah. been, you know, he was rude to her or he hit her or like anything. But it was one of the most gratuitous graphic rape scenes I've ever seen. Yeah, it is. It's really, and it doesn't fit in this film. It is like such it was a total so surprising shift, and not in like an arrestingly interesting way. It is just like, what is, what the hell is happening? Why is this occurring? Like it, it is, it is, it's just, it's, it's, ir- it's irresponsible. It's irresponsible. Um, Jane and I, woke police. <laughs> um, we like to call I mean, things it- irresponsible, but it is. But it is, and I'm sure this isn't the only thing of its kind from 1995, Mm. but we are watching this with context, and we have the unique situation of watching this 27 years later, where 
a lot of the media that we are seeing now and a lot of the choices that are made is like, hey, let's talk to people who have experienced something like this and figure out how to show these things happening without re-traumatizing anybody who's ever experienced anything like this. Absolutely. And those conversations were clearly not happening in 1995. And part of this whole thing and this whole movie about... The part, the thing, part of it that bothers me is this sort of reimagining and going back and saying we were treating this all as satire and we're trying to make it a point how difficult it is to be a woman in this industry and yet it's directed by a man, written by a man, and they did like what fifty interviews with like w- you know women who were in this industry. But it doesn't matter how many people you interview if you're creating a piece that talks about someone's experience, then you need to have someone who has been a part of this experience from you know the moment you start to the moment you finish mm-hmm. and say mm-hmm. this is what happened to me this makes sense this doesn't make sense this is what I said and you interpreted mm-hmm. it in a way that doesn't feel authentic and so you have to change that like you don't get to tell other people's stories and then make it sound like you have any understanding of what that experience is like so watching this story of a woman go through this through the lens of these you know two men two men the writer and the director who really couldn't ever understand what it feels like under a constant male gaze is results in something that is ridiculous because yes. you've gathered information from people, but you haven't distilled it and you yeah. haven't, you haven't, you haven't shown it to other people. And what this is, is now your ego thinking that you can speak for someone because you've gathered information about what that experience is like. And you come out with, um, you know, one of the most ridiculous films of the last, you know, few decades, which don't get me wrong. I enjoy every minute of watching this film. Although when I rewatched it, I did not watch the assault scene again because it was so brutal that I couldn't experience that again. Um, but it's frustrating to see this 20 years later, this walk back, you know? Where it's like, you don't get that experience from watching this movie. You don't have context. You aren't in on the joke. You aren't in on the satire until other people, until there's time in between when you've made this movie and other people tell you what you've made. And so I found his, Paul Verhoeven's interpretation and his conversations about it now being like, oh, God, this was not Elizabeth Berkeley's fault. This was my fault. And this was my decision, whatever. Where was that energy in 1995 when you were running away from this? You know, you instead let this woman take every single bullet for you and she lost everything because of it. And now you're out here making documentaries and movies after movie after movie and have no real consequences for something like this. So sorry. I know. <laughs> like no, it's OK. No. On my it. fucking soapbox about that. But that's, no, I get it. That's how I felt when I started to read about the, the making of this movie and the response. 
I know. I feel you. This scene mm-hmm. is followed by like Molly being hospitalized, and then like, and then like Nomi getting her revenge somehow. It turns into Kill Bill, and Nomi <laughs> yeah. puts her hair in like a high pony and gets a bustier <laughs> on and goes over to Carver's. Um, hotel, and then like all of Paste a sudden, can her nipples. The color. Why? Of- what was that about? Okay, thank you because I was watching those tear, and I was like, her nipples are are super red. I They're thought like- she was. Po- I thought she was poisoning him at first. I thought she put poison on her. I nipples. did too. Although I, I also or- thought if you put poison on your body, I mean, you're gonna get some of that in you too, girl. Exactly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what kind of poison. Is I mean, like I don't know either. It's not really a game you want to play. You don't like rub arsenic or cyanide on your nipples <laughs> in preparation for an hour from now getting to a hotel to get somebody to lick them. Um, right. It seems like it seems like a little bit of a gamble. We are in Vegas, so I guess it's appropriate. Um, <laughs> but we never find out what it is. But when he does start licking her nipples, did you notice that they change color? Yep. It's it's so strange. Then they're 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 like in their natural state of like just pink as opposed to like red. It it, it we never it find like out what that's about. She looked ill. And I don't understand. I was like, something is wrong with what your body. Your nipples? Why are we doing this? And if someone if a sex worker was visiting me and they had um nipples that were otherworldly in terms of color, I would want some I'd like to have a conversation about like what's on there or like are you Oh, I'd be I would never because I'd be afraid that they'd be like nothing. And I'd be like, yeah, no, and everybody's beautiful. Um, yeah, and you look great. I love it. Um, you look great, but let's skip the boob stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, so she she does a roundhouse kick because apparently she knows martial arts. She yeah. takes him. She just beats his ass, and then she leaves. And then she ultimately ends up deciding. Also, once she sees the fact that like Andrew Carver's reputation is more important to these people than what happened to Molly, she decides this isn't a world that she wants to be a part of, and that the dream that she thought she had, she doesn't anymore. And then she pays a visit to the the girl who who inspired her the most, Crystal, in the hospital with her cowgirl hat, chilling like a villain. And at this point, for reasons unbeknownst to anybody, Crystal's had quite the character shift. She no longer. Came cares about the fact that she was crippled by no She goes, and I needed a break anyways. And I was like, girl, you could have just asked for one. You could have just asked for one. But she's like, I needed a break anyways. We, I got My lawyer got a great deal for me. I made out like a bandit. I don't care what happened. And it's like, you're still in the hospital and your leg's in a sling. Like, your body has been impacted. You're a person who, like... <laughs> Who, who, like, dances for dance a was an outlet for you. Like, regardless of whether or not you wanted to retire, this ain't the way to do it. Um, and she <laughs> completely, like, like who absolves, cares? Let's kiss. Yeah, she absolves Nomi of any wrongdoing on her part. And she's like, let's move forward. And then they have a unnecessary makeout scene. Um, I mean, it may have been necessary to you. I don't know. Did you it enjoy felt- that? I did not because it was like I was really focused on like how, what their lips were doing, which is you know I hate like a weird. It's like how Ethan Hawke kisses, where it's like those sort of like you and Ethan Hawke dated for like a couple months, and all you talk about is how it's he like, kisses. He's like those slack mouth lips, where it's like it's like you're not there's a, there's no intention. I you thought know that I mean? Gina Gershon when she was like let me kiss you, I really thought she was gonna like bite her bite her lip, just like you bitch what you did to me. Um, but no, it's it's a sweet kiss between lovers and then they okay. I almost but they wish never they, actually I wish they just but then she then Nomi gets her better. ass hell gets her ass the hell out of town and leaves Molly to like yeah deal to, to deal with the recovery even recovery. though this is supposedly her bestie who's taking care of her <sighs> 
every step of the way. And it's like, I, Molly, like, he, she might have trouble walking. Like, she's got... Yeah, no. It's, you know, it's going to be a road to recovery. And out. she's apparently going to be navigating it alone. And right. Also, and, Molly, and Molly's in school. Like, she's, you know, like, someone needs to, like, take care of her. No, she needs help. And also, I, I don't understand, also, why Nomi is hitchhiking. Once again, we have the mirror image of the beginning of the movie at the end. Now we have Nomi hitchhiking out of town. Um, also, it doesn't matter, I guess, but as Elizabeth Banks was hitchhiking, she was wearing this cheetah print blouse, brawler. And her entire mm-hmm. breast was out. And I was I like, know. cool, whatever. Um, trying but to get that ride. Happened. Trying to get that ride. But also... I did love that um, top, though. I, I know. Like, it was actually a cute outfit. I was like, but, I would wear that. <laughs> but one thing that was confusing to me was, you've been the, the headliner in this show for a moment. You should have a left coin to get out of town without having to hitchhike again honey, with a random truck. Honey, the timeline is... Muddy, as we like to say. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> we can get like a Greyhound she, ticket out of town. She, we don't know how long this bitch has been in town. This could have been three weeks. We don't know. She could have done one night only. We have no idea. She needed. She packed her Versace dress and she was out. We of didn't even town. talk about the fact that that dress that she wanted <laughs> early in the movie that that Molly offered to make for her it was Versace, baby, and it she wore Versace. it. And I hated. The thing is, regardless. Okay, so she says Versace multiple times to, which apparently was Elizabeth Berkeley's uh, sprinkling in of the script. I saw um, that too. I was but like, good, good job. I. But I also, it was just like, even if it was Versace, it's inappropriate to say it ever. So it's like, when somebody says you have a lovely dress on, you don't throw the label at them, regardless if you're pronouncing it correctly or not. That's weird. So it's like, that was really the lesson that I wanted somebody to teach her, as opposed to like, (laughs) it's pronounced Versace, as they eventually do. Uh, Although uh, they cruelly let her say it wrong so many times, but also stop saying, okay, it would have been me. I would have pulled her aside and I'd have like, okay, sis, two things. One, Versace. I want you to know that for you. <laughs> two, never tell anybody. If somebody asks you what it is, you can tell them. But you don't walk into a room with a cute dress and somebody says, oh, that's cute. And you go, Gucci. <laughs> uh, uh, no. Okay. Cool. And you cool. have to, you have to, you have to be like, I think it's Versace. I don't remember. You know what Although, I mean? It has yeah, to even sound though you know and your credit card knows too. I, your um, credit card knows and everybody knows. Your closet knows. You and your best friend if your best friend's there is looking at you like, girl, I know the struggle. I know you haven't even paid it off yet. Don't don't, don't bring it with me. Although I will say that I have the habit when people say that they like something that I wear in the world, I always tell them what it is. So I guess I can't come from her. Yeah, also, I was about to say. It's because I, I feel like it's thing. because I feel like but when somebody we're says. We're doing it for an opposite reason. Yes. We Wait, are doing where are we it. doing it? Okay, I'll tell you why. Yeah. Listen up. Grab a pen. We are doing it because we're like, oh, thank you. I got this from Zara. It was like 30% off. I only paid $29 for this. I mean, I don't give them like the prices and stuff, but also sometimes, I don't shop sometimes, from... I don't shop from anywhere nice enough that they can't put the pieces together how much something Right. But... If exactly. I was wearing something like, if I was wearing something like, uh, like an actual like upper echelon like name brand, high fashion like brand, I wouldn't say ever. I would just say. Sometimes I ask you where you got things. That's in. different. That's completely and, different. And you won't tell me. That's not true. Yes, there have been times where I've been like, "Where'd you get this?" And you're like, "Like a store." I, that is not true, and we're not going to end this with another one of your white lies. Okay. I have not. 
I have never refused to tell Jane where I got an item from. We're usually sitting next to each other on a couch anyway, and she could just reach over and pull the back of my shirt down to see. And she's a liar. And I want it's you all a to pair know. of sh- it's a pair of shoes, and you wouldn't tell me where you got them from. It's what not shoes? I, maybe you were doing a bit. I, I feel like you that. may have been doing a bit where you were just like being withholding because you thought it was fun. Uh, maybe that now that may have happened, that but I've never sounds... like I've never truthfully been no, like no, 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 I don't know. No, no, no. you are yeah. you are you do tell me where you get things. I just I remember, but I don't get things from fancy I'm... places. I don't have anything like really fancy. But if somebody asks me, then yeah. I'll tell them. It's what it is with me is it's almost like I feel like if I ask somebody where they got something, or if I if I tell somebody like. If I tell a woman that she's wearing something that's nice, whatever, like, uh, like, yeah, I'm just saying it's nice. But if I see a guy in, like, a jacket and I want it, or I'm like, where did he get it from? I do think, like, sometimes I do think tell me a little bit. Because I'm also like, I'm never going to see you again. Tell me where you got your jacket. Yeah. I, I, I would I'm, never say that. I'll say, like, oh, that's really nice, or oh, that's great. And I'll hope that they'll maybe be like, oh, oh you I wouldn't got be it like, so-and-so. You wouldn't be like, where'd you get this? Oh, I ask, honey. I, I did ask somebody actually you know what somebody who lives near near us I was out like a couple weeks ago and I saw him in a jacket and it was really cute and I asked him and then I looked up and it was from like Nordstrom and it was like $1,200 and I was like oh thanks thank you next well that's the thing is that you always yeah I mean you're oh, it gives you an impression of who you're dealing with too yeah it does which is why I always lie that's my new thing Prada Sorry. Um, <laughs> Sorry, last season sold out. Uh, it's sold. Oh, vintage. <laughs> Sorry. Mm, <laughs> yeah, you can find it if you tried to. This mm. chainmail top it was actually worn by America's Gina Gershon in Showgirls. Um, Gershon? Don't know where you'd even find it. Gershon. Yeah, I got it at auction. <laughs> so. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> nice try. It does get caught in my chest hair, but I'll show you next time. <laughs> Are you talking about this Versace uh, worn? <laughs> By Saved by the Bells, Elizabeth Berkley, in the 1995 mega-hit Showgirls. Yeah, I got it on consignment. Don't worry about it. So, I've got two questions for you, and I think you might know what they are. Number one. You're still my friend. Okay, that's not where I was going to go. Number one. Oh, okay. Would you watch this movie again? Yes. Number two. Do you have something cook, cooking for me next week? Cook, cook, cooking. You know cooking. I always keep the griddle on, sis. Um, <laughs> next week, we are going to be celebrating our 50th episode. Um, that's right. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners out there who have hunkered down and uh, really put in the work. We're doing something a little bit ostentatious and a little bit bold next week. Um, we've got ourselves a double feature. Um, we're taking on a story from two different angles through two different films. One of those films <laughs> was not prepared. Prepared to go where I was trying to go. <laughs> one of those films is from 1992, and one of those films is from 2022. We've got <gasps> movies 30 years apart, baby. Get into it. Um, so we will be watching two movies and discussing them both. We will be watching the 1992 thriller Single White Female. And we will also be watching the 2022 film Single Black Female. 
And uh, we'll be doing a little bit of, you know, compare and contrast fantasy. Uh, so don't be afraid to get into the game. Nobody else is. Um, and I have not seen either of these movies before. I do know, giving a special shout out to a dear friend of the cast, my friend Caitlin. I know The Single White Female is one of her favorite films. Um, so I know that she will be excited about this episode. And I know that shout she's Shout out to Caitlin. A listen. Um, and uh, yeah, Jane, I think it's going to be... Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be an epic 50th episode we will try to keep it somewhere under four hours um we'll we'll do it we'll make it we'll do it we'll do it we'll make it consumable um i can't believe we are about to record our 50th episode it is crazy to me um that we have that is pretty wild i can't believe that we've done 50 of these that is We've actually done more than 50, girl. Yeah, that's true. We it's had a couple test 50. runs that y'all will hear eventually. <laughs> yeah. But um, we'll scatter them in. We'll try and pepper them in. You, you'll be able to tell. Uh, you, and you guys will be absolutely horrified about. <laughs> uh, yeah, but just lean into it, you know? Lean it's into camp. it. Uh, under, we'll yeah, it's camp. On. Yeah, that's yeah. What it is. Understand that um, intention and time equals camp. <laughs> so we love you guys. Thank you for listening to us talk about this movie. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram and Facebook, you can find us at Movies We Missed. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at MWM Chat. We will see you next week for our 50th motherfucking episode where we tackle single white female and single black female. We can't wait. We love you guys. Have a great week. Bye. 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 50. Get your nipples hard. Um. Look great, but let's skip the boob stuff.